Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. All right. Another uh, significant uh, uh, part, that something some significant that I want to share with you this morning before we get into it, church turned 72 yesterday. It was 72 years ago uh, yesterday that Pastor Norm Armstrong planted this church, stepped out in faith, and since then this church has had seven senior pastors. They've all been incredible people of faith. And wouldn't you agree we've got some amazing senior pastors now? Pastor Brad and Allison are phenomenal. They're doing a phenomenal job. And I um, particularly want to uh, honour right now a couple of pastors who pastored our church in the 70s. Uh, one of them went to be with the Lord three weeks ago. It was Pastor Gerald and Elizabeth Rowlands. I'm going to read, with, read to you a little bit of what Pastor Gerald accomplished in his lifetime. Is that okay? All right. Pastor Gerald's ministry spanned many decades and nations all over the world. He wrote numerous books and his training series inspired and equipped church planners across the globe. Together with his wife, Elizabeth, he travelled and ministered in over 70 countries and they lived in Africa, Asia and Israel. In 2006, he was awarded the Order of Australia Medal by the Australian Government. It's amazing. So church, we really do stand on the shoulders of giants. And I thank God for the sacrifices that uh, previous pastors have made uh, to help us to see what we see today. And now the, the baton's in our hand. And what a privilege it is to run with the future of the mantle that the Lord has on this church. You know, I remember what I was doing about a year before I started coming to this church. I was living without God. Someone laughed. Who was that? That was Matt. Yeah. You don't remember, do you? I'm about to tell you. <laughs> it could be anything. This could go anywhere. Um, I was living without God. I was in a relationship that let's just say was far from godly. In fact, it was very ungodly. It ended up messy. I ended up hurt, disappointed, and disillusioned. And then a year later, I stepped in this church and I encountered the love of Jesus. And I have never been the same. But you know, in my journeys across the last 20 years, I've learned some things. One of the things that I've learned is that learning how to process and work through disappointment without God in my life is far different than working through and learning how to process disappointment with God in my life. Disappointment is something that if you live long enough, at some point you will encounter. Disappointment comes in various ways. It's never convenient. And it inevitably happens to all of us. The question is not whether we'll experience disappointment or not. The question is how do we effectively 
work through and process disappointment so we come out of the other side whole, healed and well. This morning we're going to look at a story of a time where Jesus himself helped two of his disciples walk through and process disappointment. Are you ready? All right. Before we go to the Scripture, I'm going to give you a bit of background as to what was happening. Jesus had just risen from the dead and there was a group of women who went to the tomb and realised that the stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty and they saw no Jesus, but they saw angels. And the angels said to them, He's not here, He's risen. So these women in their excitement run off and tell the disciples. And so the disciples start going to the tomb. Two of them go in. They see no Jesus. They see no angels. And so they start heading home. I'm going to pick up the story in Luke 24, verse 13 to 24. If you don't have your Bibles, the Scripture is going to be on the screen in about five seconds time. There you go. Now behold, two of them were travelling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near. Mark that. He drew near. He drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Two disciples, they're going down a road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a two hour walk. And they're disappointed, disillusioned, and they're sad. They thought that the Messiah would come and would restore the political reign of Israel on the earth. Because at that time, the nation of Israel was under the iron fist of the Roman Empire. So they were hoping that it was Jesus who would come, overthrow the Romans and establish the glory days of Israel on the earth over again. And their distorted view of who Jesus was landed them in disappointment and sadness. But Jesus does something that puts them on the same playing field as you and I. He does something for these disciples that puts them on the same playing field as you and I. And we're about to discover what He does in about five seconds. Are you ready? We're going to keep on reading. Luke 24, 25 to 27. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. 
Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus opens up the scriptures and starts to show them things concerning himself. Their eyes were veiled. They didn't know it was Jesus. You and I can't physically see Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, but we can see Him in the Scriptures. What was He doing? He was giving them a first-hand revelation of Himself from the Scriptures because up to that point, they were living off what the women were saying, had said about Him. They were living off a second-hand revelation. And so when you're in the process of working through disappointment with the Lord, point number one, expect a first-hand revelation from the Scriptures. What is a first-hand revelation? What is it? It's when you open up the Scriptures and allow the Lord to reveal Himself to you from the Scriptures. That is a first-hand revelation in its purest form when you see Jesus from the Scriptures. The Bible says that we've been washed in His blood and made kings and priests to our God. Revelation 1.5 says it. That means that it's in our vested interest to uncover the truths that God has for us. The Bible says in Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. You're a king. You're a priest to our God. You are royalty. And God has truths hidden in Scripture for us to uncover. You know, I was asked about a week ago at a birthday party from one of the dads, one of Jack's little buddies. His dad's a Christian, lovely guy. We always have great chats when I go to his parties. And he said to me, Con, you got three kids. I got three kids. When do you have time to read your Bible? Good question, right? And I said, well, to be honest with you, I wake up a little bit earlier than everybody else. And I'm happy to sacrifice half an hour of sleep if I get to see more of Jesus. In fact, I'm so hungry for it, is I won't just read it, I'll have it in my ears. I'll, I'll be listening to it throughout the course of the day because I'm hungry. I want to see more of Jesus. When I'm doing the dishes, I've got it in my ears. When I'm cooking the dinner, I've got it in my ears. When I'm driving in the car, I've got it in my ears. One area I've yet to master is the laundry. It scares me, right? Isn't it like a perpetual avalanche? Come on, preach it, says my wife. I'll get to it, darling. Do you know if I did the laundry with a Bible in my ears, I'd listen to it in a day. No doubt about it. Something happens, something happens that is supernatural when you see Jesus in the Scriptures. Something happens that is supernatural when you see Him in the Scriptures. Let's land it. Let's have a look what happens. Are you all okay? All right. Luke 24, 28 to 34. Then they drew near to the village where they were going and He indicated that He would have gone farther But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. 
And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the Scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Your heart burns when you see Jesus. Your heart burns when you see Jesus in the Scriptures for yourself. And so when you're processing disappointment, look for Jesus till your heart burns for Him. Look for Jesus till your heart burns for Him. Father, we are so thankful that we get to see the excellencies of Jesus in the Scriptures. Lord, I pray right now for us as a church, Lord, that we would look for You till our heart burns. Let our hearts burn, Lord, as we see You in the Scriptures. I've been on a quest the last 18 months to see more of Jesus in the Scriptures. Let me give an example. In the Old Testament, there are types, there are shadows, there are stories, there are people, there are characters in the Bible that point to Jesus. There are stories that depict the story of Jesus. There are characters that depict the character of Jesus. One of those characters, which is probably the clearest depiction of a type of Christ in the Old Testament, is Joseph. Joseph was one of 12 brothers, was the son of Jacob, one of his younger sons. And Jacob favoured Joseph more than all his brothers. Well, his brothers hated him for it. The Bible says they couldn't speak a kind word to him. In the course of time, Joseph had two dreams, which essentially meant that at once, at some stage in the future, his brothers and his mother and father would bow down to him and he would rule over them. Well, his brothers were incensed when they heard that. If they didn't hate him before, they hated him so much they wanted to kill him. So they conspired to do that. And after a bit more fractional, civilised conversation, they decide against that. They say, well, let's not kill him. Let's sell him off as a slave to Egypt. So they sell him off. But they bring back word to the father Jacob that he'd been torn apart by a wild beast. So he's Jacob. He thinks his son is dead. He goes into inconsolable mourning. And for 20 years, he believes that Joseph is dead. Joseph, fast forward 30, uh, 20 years, and he is now ruling over Egypt. And there's a worldwide famine, except in Egypt. So that means the world is going to Egypt for food. And amongst those who are going to Egypt for food were Joseph's brothers. And even though Joseph recognised his brothers when they came, they didn't recognise him. And over the course of time, over the course of a few days, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, reconciles to his brothers, forgives his brothers, he sends them back to their father to bring back their father and their whole family because Joseph was going to provide for his family in Egypt. So they go back and they tell Jacob that uh, Joseph is alive. He's ruling in Egypt. 
Well, Joseph didn't believe, uh, Jacob, Jacob didn't believe them. But then the Bible says when he saw the carts and he heard the words of Joseph that he spoken to his brothers, the Bible says his spirit revived. And he started to head towards Joseph, who's a picture of Jesus. And when he started to head towards Joseph, who's a picture of Jesus, the Bible says that God appeared to Jacob. Here's a part I want you to catch. Here's a part. The 20 years, the 20 years that Jacob believed his son Joseph, who's a picture of Christ, was dead. There is no biblical account of God appearing to Jacob. No biblical account. But when he believed the son was alive, his spirit revived and he headed towards Joseph and God met him along the way. When you believe that Jesus Christ is alive and you start to head towards Him, God meets you on the way because He is the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Jesus. So they're heading towards Joseph. And Joseph, Joseph is preparing a place for his family. Do you know what the place is called? Goshen. Goshen in Hebrew means drawing near. It means closeness. Isn't that the nature of our Saviour? He wants us close. Your heart's been broken. The Bible says He's close to the brokenhearted and His ears are attentive to their cry. He wants you close to love on you. Little did these two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus know that when they started to head back for Jerusalem, they were going to the place they were meant to be. Do you know why? Because in a few days, a few days after that, the Holy Spirit would fall. They would land in the right place at the right time and they would be, they would be consequently um, uh, launched into their ministries and they didn't even know it. They were going back to the place where the Spirit would fall. Why? Because they saw Jesus in the Scriptures and they believed who He was and they were going to the right place at the right time and they didn't even know it. Isn't God good? I'm going to keep on moving. Point number three. We need to experience the love of Jesus daily, especially when we're learning how to process through disappointment. Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. I pray that from the treasures of His glory, He will empower you with inner strength by His Spirit so that the Messiah may live in your hearts through your trusting. Also, I pray that you will be rooted and founded in love so that you with all God's people will be given strength to grasp the breadth, length, height and depth of the Messiah's love. Yes, to know it, even though it is beyond all knowing so that you will be filled to all the fullness of God. I don't know about you. I want to be filled to all the fullness of God. How does it happen? When you let Him love you. The Greek word to know there means to experience. He wants to pour His love out on you every single day so that you are full with all His fullness. And when you are full with all the fullness of God, you are equipped to be led by God. One of the areas that I wanted so bad to be led by God in was the area of relationships, my future spouse. 
I'd been hurt in that area a few times. And I just said, Lord, I just, I want to be led by you in this area. It was the beginning of 2009 and I hadn't had a date in four and a half years. I was 28 going on 29. And I was praying. I said, Lord, what are some of the things you want me to do this year? And I heard him so clearly. He said to me, this year, I want you to stay single. When he said that, a supernatural peace came over me. I couldn't explain it. I knew it was him. But then the natural reason started to kick in. I thought, God, are you sure? Are you sure? I haven't had a date in four and a half years. Come on. Getting a little bit lonely. (laughs) Can I tell you that year, 2009, the temptation to date was rife. More than any other year, I kid you not. And there was this one girl that we, we started hanging out in groups and I went back to the Lord. I said, Lord, what about her? And he said to me, Con, you're not to date her. She's not for you. Nothing wrong with the girl. This was about me and Jesus. And so I said, Lord, you've got to give me a scripture. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm going crazy here. And so I opened up my Bible and I started to read. And he led me to the proverb that says, there is a way that seems right to a man. It seemed right. She's a Christian, I'm a Christian. She's attracted, I'm attracted. She's attractive, I'm attractive. Everybody's attractive. But it was leading to a dead end. And the Lord showed me, He said, Con, this is a dead end path. I said, okay, all right. So I wrestled with it. A couple of days, a few more hangouts. I thought, I'm going to ask this girl out. What the heck? I'm going to give myself a week and I'm going to ask her out. Can you believe it? It gets worse. It's worse. Uh, And so I thank God for this church. Do you know why? Because in that week, we had a travelling speaker come. And you know what he was speaking on? Relationships that had gone bad because they refused godly counsel when they went in. And I'm sitting there going, he's talking to me, he's talking to me, he's talking to me. That was a Sunday. Monday kicked in. And again, natural man, reason. I thought, oh, maybe he wasn't talking to me. Maybe it was for someone else. Yeah, I'm still going to ask her out anyway. Come Friday, I'm asking her out. Well, Tuesday rolls over. And back then we used to have young adults every week. Remember that? Guess who was speaking? This guy. Guess what he was speaking on? Relationships that have gone bad. And do you know what I said in my heart when he started talking? I thought, I don't care what this guy talks about. I'm not going to listen. Can you believe it? I was a leader. And I'm thinking these thoughts. And so he, he's talking and he gets up at the end and he starts to prophesy. He says, there's a person in this room and, and you know, you, you, I believe God wants to heal your knee. And then he's saying, there's a person in this room, he wants to heal your neck. And people are coming down the front and then he stops. He says, there's a person in this room and the Holy Spirit says, you're about to go through a doorway. And if you go through this doorway, you're gonna miss out on your destiny. I said, Lord, you got me. Oh, Lord, you got me good. I said, okay, God, it's you and me. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus all over again. About a month later, 
I was in a church service and at the end of the service, one of the elderly men came up to me and he asked me how I was going. And he said, oh, and how are you going with girls? I said, oh, bro, don't ask. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, what do you want? What are you looking for? I go, I want to be a Christian and be serving in church and someone I can relate to and have fun with. And he said, that's all good. That's great. He says, but what does she look like? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, just what's your taste? Do you like blondes, brunettes? And I thought, oh, that's a bit shallow. He said, why don't you get before God and just ask Him for a specific look? Now, disclaimer, if you're single, this is not a formula. I repeat, this is not a formula. Do not try this at home unless God asks you. All right. So I got before God and said, Lord, I thank you for my wife. I started to write down, I thank you that she's going to be a woman of God. She's going to have a soft, caring heart. She's going to love you. Lord, I thank you so much for my family. I thank you for my kids when I had nothing like that. And I said, Lord, I pray that she has long hair. Blue eyes, big lips, not Botox. Not that I'm against Botox, but like, I like them natural, right? Flexible. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I pray that she could sing. It'd be great to marry a singer, Lord. In fact, Lord, I pray that she'd be a worship leader. So I started praying. At the end of the year, uh, I got chatting to Stacey. It was at a, like a social function that Pastor Christy Rigg actually got, had a little get together at her place for Christmas time. And I thought, she's pretty cool. And then the year ticked over and a couple of months went, went past and I eventually asked Stacey out. A year later, we were married. A year later, we had our first child. Here's the part I want you to catch. The year that the Lord asked me to stay single, Stacy was engaged to somebody else. He knew I had to wait. I waited all the way. So I didn't cut anybody's grass, okay? I waited till the thing was done, right? She cut it off. And the upgrade was on the way, right, baby? Yeah, the upgrade came. It came right at you. I had to believe God again in an area that I had been disappointed. And I had to trust Him to lead me. In a few moments time, we're going to do some things. And I believe the Lord wants to minister into the very heart of people that have been disappointed. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know Jesus? If you're watching online, I'm not asking whether you know about Him, whether you grew up with a religious label. I'm asking, do you really know Him? And you, you might be saying, Con, you talk like God is real. Yeah, He is real. And it can be known. It can be deeply known. And it's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the leaders. It's for everybody because Jesus came for the world. He came for you. So right across this place, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, in a moment's time, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you're watching online and you want to make this decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and begin an amazing journey of experiencing God daily. 
I'm talking to you. Why don't we all repeat this prayer after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you to come in and be my Saviour and be my Lord and be my friend. From my heart, with my mouth, I confess you as my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' Name, Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed all across this place, if you prayed that prayer, in a moment's time, I'm going to get you to give me a wave. The reason I want you to give me a wave is because I want to pray with you and our team is going to help with the next stages of that decision. If you're watching online and and you made that decision, write to us in the chat box. We want to hear from you. If you made that decision this morning and said, I want God to be real. I'm sick of playing church. I'm sick of just having a religious label. I want Jesus. Why don't you give me a wave right now? Awesome. 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 Father, I just thank you so much for every person that has made a decision this morning. I thank you, Father, that you make all things new. Thank you that old things have passed away. All things have become new. I thank you, Lord, for every person that has made this decision in their heart this morning. I thank you, Lord, that they have a future and a destiny in you, in partnership with you, because life doesn't make sense without you. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.